Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. No matter what your political leanings, it's no doubt that the role of local, state, and national governments has changed dramatically as a result of the pandemic. This is especially true of government's role in the financial health of private enterprise, with many companies latching onto financial lifelines for survival, all provided by taxpayer dollars. In this episode of the podcast, we look back on last quarter's FAI Forward Thinking Discussion Series with three government financial leaders, Controller General Gene Dodaro, California State Controller Betty Yee, and Philadelphia City Controller Rebecca Reinhardt. Joining us for the discussion regarding the series are Robert Half's David Araldi and Protivity's Carol Bomier. Uh, Carol and, and David, I want to thank you both for being here today uh, and uh, sort of discussing what you know what we learned over the uh, past couple months of interviews with government controllers and, and how they're reacting and changing to um, the pandemic crisis and associated economic crisis crises that have happened over the past several months. So, but I wanted to start off. Um, with little introductions and little backgrounds and everybody. So, uh, Carol, uh, can, can you start first and give us your background and, and what you do? Sure, of course. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be with you today. My name is Carol Baumier. I am a Senior Managing Director of Protivity and President of Protivity Government Services, our government contracting subsidiary. Um, I work very closely with my colleague, Dave Araldi, whom you'll hear from in a minute, on government work um, across federal, state, and local um, government, as well as with government contractors, and have been doing this now for probably the past 10 years or so. Great, great. And David, maybe a little background on you. Yeah, sure. Hi. Thanks, Chris. And and thanks for inviting us here too, Carol and I. Uh, my name is Dave Araldi. I am a managing director for Robert Half, uh, the parent organization um, uh, of Protivity and, and, you know, the staffing um, organization as well. My responsibilities include um, a number of areas, but uh, also wearing the hat of um, government industry lead um, for our talent solutions and, and, and related services. So Carol and I work very closely together as an enterprise. Great. And uh, the, those are great um, backgrounds. I know certainly give us context and some insight into some of the discussions we'll be hearing about. Um, and, um, but I want to start off with a sort of a level set, um, you know, a discussion about, um, you know, where we are in government and especially on the finance side. So where are government finance operations in terms of, of managing the recovery from the pandemic? Uh, it seems that all that relief money going through the system, and there are several critical issues that they need to focus on. So, Carol, maybe you could start off in that discussion. Sure, I'd happy to. I think not surprisingly, given the number of parties involved and the scale of the challenge, the experience has been mixed. Uh, I think technology has really been a key factor in how well finance organizations have been able to adapt and scale. And I would observe that not dissimilar to other industries, some governmental entities have postponed upgrading their technologies and developing data analytical capabilities um, because of other priorities. 
But I think that where there is or has been outdated technology or lack of these data analytical capabilities, that has really created some additional challenges um, for finance departments as, as they've really sought to respond very quickly to their constituents' needs. And additionally, I think what we've observed in working with various governmental bodies and with the not-for-profits that have supported a number of the initiatives is how important it really is to have controls on the flow of funds as transactions occur, and also the ability to be able to look back and examine transactions after the fact and to identify and be able to respond as quickly as possible to potential problems. Again, I would point to the challenge of being um, very responsive, wanting to get money out in the hands of people who needed it very quickly. Um, and trying to balance that against the control environment. And I think that meant that there were really some tough decisions that people had to make at times. All of that said, though, I would agree with Comptroller Dodaro that what has been accomplished in such a short time has really been pretty remarkable. How about your perspective, Ed? What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree uh, entirely with Carol, and and I think just to add a little um, other parts to this, uh, Mr. Dodaro notes that uh, how the pandemic was really the first time we've seen such a seismic event like this impact to the entire country and really the world in such a rapid fashion that we've just seen it literally overloaded previous systems and in some cases those those areas of government were overloaded more than 10 times um, the amount that they were um, tested during the financial crisis 10 years ago so all business continuity and disaster recovery plans were kind of thrown out the window on this um, they were certainly exacerbated by what carol notes there um, with maybe competing priorities for other systems uh, on there so i i think we really stress tested um, beyond worst case scenarios in this event and that that to opened up the eyes to carol's point about needing uh, more robust internal controls i also think that uh, mr dordoro noted or or it was commented about fraud um, out there and as carol noted when you're in a situation like this where you're balancing um, you know the needs of people with um, with uh, urgency on there many of these areas of government have always been at risk for fraudulent events and have those programs but when you when you deal with a a, a, a seismic shift like we saw it really um, you know really uh, in many cases showcase that these antiquated um, systems and environments were were not um, agile enough to 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 move rapidly um, like like maybe needed in the future. Great, and those are all important points. So we're going to listen to another clip from uh, Controller Dodaro, sort of discussing um, a, a different aspect of, of what we're we're talking about today. So we're going to go right to that. Yeah, a lot of these. Uh, I was involved in the savings and loan crisis back in the you know, late eighties, the banking and nineties, and uh, uh, there's been other you know infectious disease outbreaks you know, before, but rarely have we had a public health emergency of a global proportion and the economic repercussions rippling across every sector uh, of, of our economy. Uh, so, in that respect, the most the latest crisis is the most uh, severe that, that I've seen right. and challenging. And I think 
uh, we deserve, you know, all the frontline workers in our country, the public health workers, the government people at all levels of government, the private sector and others who have stepped up. You know, we've seen some of the best of human behavior right now. And unfortunately, we've seen some of the worst, too, with a lot of people, right. uh, you know, exploiting the, these programs with fraud and other other areas. Uh, we've, we've seen our scientists, uh, who are among the best in the world, come through for us. I mean, I, right. I, it's hard to imagine how we'd still be struggling with this without the vaccines. Now, we've done work on the vaccines. We looked at the development and manufacturing against best practices from technology development standpoint. And what was done was remarkable. All right. So th- those were some uh, important points that the controller brought up. Uh, how have you seen government finance change in the pandemic? Uh, as controller Dara mentioned, it's been the most acute crisis of his long tenure. In what ways will the government's approach to finance, you know, from a federal level, or actually from federal and local, change as a result? So, David, I I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, uh, thanks, Chris. Um, I think it will be, as Mr. Dodoro notes, it it will be interesting to see how finance evolves in the post-pandemic environment. Um, you know, we're in an area of government program support right now that's not been seen in well over 50 years. Uh, I mean, last year alone, the federal government spent 3.1 trillion more than it collected um, in 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 revenues. Right. Um, so uh, at the same time, federal tax revenue collected was almost the same as 2019, despite the incredible disruption. So when you add the proposed infrastructure and family proposals to the mix, it it appears we're going to have some serious discussions as a country on how to find a new normal foundation. Um, Income security, health and Medicare expenditures just expanded exponentially, Um, yet defense and security demands are growing as well. So at the federal level, we're gonna have to find policies that are sustainable given finite resources and that's going to require compromise which is a scarce word these days and uh, we've had a decade of ultra low lending costs and that is not likely to stay forever and that's also going to create cost pressures um, especially at a federal level there Uh, i'll pause there i don't know carol you want to add anything on that maybe just a comment in the what I would call the bigger context. I think that the government clearly grappled with the same thing that all of the rest of us grappled with, and that was the immediate need to begin working remotely. And and certainly for the government, um, not having the kind of optionality that lots of other of us had on what they could or wouldn't or needed to do. I mean, obviously, because of the the need to to meet the public needs, to support the health system, to support transportation. I mean, governments had to keep functioning. So I think for all of us, um, there are a lot of questions yet to be answered about what the future of work looks like. I think certainly there are a lot of views that will never go back to the way it was, or at least not for a while, and will continue to have kind of hybrid working. And I think that clearly has implications, not just for government and government finance functions, but for all of us as well. Yeah, those are important points. And um, it certainly gives us pause to think about, you know, such a sea change going on at the federal level, you know, not only in terms of reacting to the pandemic, but as you mentioned, um, to the amount of, of revenues and, and uh, outlays that are going on right now. 
but we're, we're going to change tack a little bit and go to sort of a local level and you know uh controllers you know you have the federal government but really it's a lot of this has been going on at the local level the reaction to the pandemic and, and trying to figure out the local level how to react and we're gonna uh, listen now to the uh, philadelphia city controller uh rebecca reinhardt who's gonna sort of set up something that we, you know is not often discussed which is sort of the changing work work habits that people going into the city are, are, are dealing with and how that impacts their tax base. So let's, let's listen to that. Um, one thing that is very much at the forefront of my mind is the change that could occur and is likely to occur from people's changing work patterns. And if, um, we have uh, people right now, many people that commute from the suburbs to uh, Center City, to the city for working. And if they don't, then we will get less wage checks. And that will be an impact. And during the pandemic, that impact uh, was as large as $200 million. So if even, you know, even if 75% of the workforce comes back, uh, to the city. If 25% doesn't, that's a sizable hit. So we need to be thinking about one, how do we make up for that revenue? And two, um, what should we be doing in this changing environment to perhaps attract people to Philly that want to live in a city, um, but might take advantage of a lower cost of living than say, uh, in New York or in DC. So those are some of the things, uh, that are, on my mind in, in terms of taxes and changing behavior that impacts our taxes. So we just heard from uh, the Philadelphia city controller and some really interesting points. David, I'm going to start with you. When you work with local and city governments and their finance operations, how are you dealing with the changes that the pandemic has brought to their tax bases? You know, what are some of the levers that are being pulled to sort of plan out the recovery? Well, Chris, I, I think locally, some of the government officials have noted um, the, the post-pandemic shift of, of workers and commuters in urban centers. Uh, all of these variables can have um, impact the, the future of, of local um, government funding. Significant changes in those habits will alter sales and use taxes and real estate taxes with shrinking consumption and use of office space in those urban cores. Uh, those are the big drivers for local government funding. And the questions will be if those are short-lived trends that will balance out again in, in the coming years, or if they have set forth permanent trends in worker and residential populations. And, and governments will need to be more agile to keep their revenues and expenditures in line. Uh, I, I think the financial crisis of 2008 was crushing to state and local governments with all the real estate losses and the tax declines. This time, however, um, we do not see those same types of deficits emerging. Um, many predicted dire situations when the shutdown started, but a considerable amount of, of workers that, that contribute to the vast majority of the income tax base were able to continue working, which, which really helped. And many state and local governments also 
did effectively plan out of um, out of the financial crisis with creation of rainy day funds um, that aided during uh, during the darkest days last spring and summer. Um, so they're not necessarily in the um, in the financial crisis of, of maybe 10 years, 10 plus years ago um, on there. However, I think it really because of the um, the nature of how revenue funds them as known, the shifts of workers and residents and stuff is going to have a profound impact. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see if that's short or long range. Carol, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I, I agree with Dave. I would just add maybe another dimension, and that is certainly that some locations, because they're highly dependent on a certain industry, let's say hospitality, you know, will have and are having a more difficult time so that their recovery really will depend on how fast those sectors can improve and turn around. And and obviously for all involved, um, we all hope that we don't have any setbacks, right? I agree with Dave that, you know, the, the outlook today looks a lot better than it people thought it would going into the pandemic. But, you know, we were counting on steady improvement in the economy all the way around. Yeah, yeah, those important points. It's sort of a very wait and see uh, sort of um, position right now. So we're going to, you know, so we heard from the federal government. We heard from uh, city government. Now we're going to sort of change tracks and, um, you know, look at a state how states are, are dealing with this. And, um, you know, we, we took a little different, uh, you know, in discussion with the uh, California State Controller, we really want to understand, and this goes back to a theme that we have throughout the, the series about, you know, how and what are the lessons that, you know, government can bring to private enterprise and what are the, from a finance perspective, and what can private enterprise bring to, um, to, to state government. So this, let's hear the uh, California State Controller now about what her thoughts are on that. You know, I think uh, oftentimes, uh, actually, I've been astounded. Let me start with this. Uh, I've been astounded at how little um, ongoing regular interaction there is between state government and the private sector. Um, I mean, we're all in the same state. We're very interdependent. And yet uh, I find that unless um, you know, I'm speaking with perhaps, you know, somebody from the C-suite or uh, but, but just the regular interaction doesn't seem to be there in terms of just trying to expand our the understanding of the other. And so I, I really uh, when, uh, this question is intriguing to me. Uh, I would say hands down the most common misperception about uh, state government finance is how much of it is subject to waste, fraud and abuse. Um, I can say that state government runs very lean, and uh, I am the independent auditor for the state of California, and while we do find that there are uh, state funds that are uh, directed to allowed uses, um, that is not uh, that does not comprise fraud by any means. In fact, in uh, most cases, it's about uh, you know just really having a lack of um, of uh, capacity because we are losing uh, and need to continue to uh, build up our talent in terms of financial management and leadership. And so um, I think uh, the other thing that makes us different is that we are accountable. So those are some important points about, you know, learning from private enterprise, you know, especially on the finance side and, and what, um, what that different perspective brings to bear. So Carol, what do you consider some of the best practices governments can take from the private sectors 
approach to fi the finance function and vice versa. Can you think of some examples where it's really succeeded? Sure. So I would say very simply that the focus, um, not surprisingly, is on people, process, and technology. And I think some of the keys to success include cross-training people so that they can perform multiple tasks when necessary, creating processes and workflows that can enable smooth transition and be supported by additional resources in those occasions where it is necessary to ramp up. Clearly, as I mentioned before, improving technology infrastructure, having integrated systems, strong IT security, and the ability to leverage the cloud. And lastly, I would say embracing innovation. So leveraging RPA, process mining, advanced data analytics, and other innovative tools and approaches that can really handle some of the more routine tasks and free up staff to focus on some of the more important issues. And again, as I look back on experience to date, I would say that those governmental bodies that had made previous tech investments and had developed their data analytics capabilities clearly had an edge. Dave, the, the, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's some important points there, but what are, what's your perspective? Yeah, I, I agree entirely with Carol's um, notes there. I think when it comes down to is we probably need to um, explore more public-private consortiums, um, ones that are nonpartisan, uh, but yet there's a, that include a wide range of stakeholders. And, and in government, that may include stakeholders such as public, uh, public unions uh, on there. And getting all of those different groups together um, towards a common goal will require uh, compromise and and areas that um, that the commercial sector doesn't always um, have pressures the commercial sector doesn't always face uh, with with political environments where terms um, uh, are are unique compared to business cycles and law and and financial planning and strategic planning that private sector um, uh, you know maybe adopts at a more regular approach to to um, you know long range and and consistent um, approaches to business and, and I think we just have to challenge ourselves to explore how we can um, adopt many of the items that Carol just mentioned there um, and bring the pu public sector, the government sector um, to become more innovative. We do see examples of that um, out there in many ways. We also see examples where, um, you know, unfortunately, to Carol's point about process and technology, um, trying to do certain things um, with systems that date back to literally the last century um, are, are um, not going to get the job done. And, and those are big decisions. They're always hard. It's like buying, you know, getting your roof um, redone. No one ever wants to do it on your house because there's always so many prettier items that you want to do on the, on the front or the inside. Um, but that roof needs to be there and it's a big ticket, but um, those, those are the things that at this point in time, if we can prioritize that and, 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 uh, and listen to best practices that have um, the, in the leading innovators in commercial sector can bring um, to government um, with the amount of stimulus and things that are out there, we could be on a, a nice shift here to help modernize um, and, cr and create even better efficiencies in government um, so that people can be um, upskilled, reskilled, or used in different ways um, than maybe they traditionally were in, in previous government roles. 
Yeah, let's see if uh, if those lessons are learned in government and, and both by and private enterprise can sort of learn from each other from this experience. But uh, so I want to take a step back and, you know, this is a $64,000 question that we try to address in, um, in this series, uh, this quarter is focusing on government. And um, I'll start with you, Carol. Uh, and this is the big question. It's like, what are the biggest lessons learned about government finance that you've seen as a result of the pandemic? So Chris, at the risk of repeating myself, but I think this is really the key. I would say IT infrastructure really has been critical in standing up robust, remote, and potentially hybrid finance functions. And I think investment, as we both Dave and I have commented on, in from government in systems has lagged in some cases. And, and we really do expect to see modernization and resilient efforts ramp up as governments apply the lessons we've learned in the past year. David, uh, what's your what's your big takeaway from all this? Well, I, I would, she took the words right out of my mouth on there. Uh, um, uh, if I would, you know, throw an extra item on there is it feels like we just maxed out the credit cards and we need to make some tough decisions to correct our expenditures going forward. Well, that's, that's certainly something to wrap up on. I want to thank you both for taking the time today to discuss this series and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I want to thank RHI and Productivity for the support. It's been really a, a interesting discussion over the past several months. So thank you both, both very much. Thank you, Chris. Our pleasure.